we've related life um, as an analogy to the wrong thing. We relate it to, you know, an ultimate journey, uh, a pilgrimage to contentment or a goal mm. or success, whatever that it looks like to you. We forget that life should be more of an analogy to music, mm. to, to dance, to poetry. The purpose of those things is not to get to the end. You don't go to a concert, sprint to the finish. Mm. You go to a concert to listen to all of the, the beautiful melody mm. that gets to that point. You go to dance, not to get to the, a spot in the room, but to, to flow and to feel that whole experience, that whole sensory overloading experience, and then it finishes eventually. But you've enjoyed the whole process to yeah. get there. And that's what life's about. Um, once you figure out who you are, what you want to do, and you've healed from everything you've gone through, mm. like there's beauty in each and every single day. That is and a beautiful way to put it. I guess we'll start with talking about your book that you're going to publish because essentially the podcast is going to be uh, about the three stages, mm -hmm. I'm not incorrect, um, and that's kind of the story that your book's telling through photography and poetry. Yes, correct. So take it away, tell me about the book and then we'll go into each stage. I'll ask you questions whenever they happen, otherwise... Go for it. Um, so the book that I've been working on um, seemingly for the past year, but... Um, behind the scenes, I guess my whole life. Um, it's titled She, and what it is is um, a look at um, a journey, mm -hmm. your life's journey, and how we, this was focused on my journey particularly, but mm -hmm. how we as women, and I'm sure men as well, mm -hmm. go through things in our life and we kind of pick them up and put them on our back. Things that happen to us um, in our childhood, they could be from varying degrees of um, happy, sad, negative, traumatic, whatever they are, we pick them up, we put them on our back. Mm. Um, and we then identify, um, in some cases, we align who we are, our value and our self-worth with those um, things that have happened to us, those experiences. Mm. And then if we don't um, ever become self-aware or conscious, we kind of flow through life with these things on our back, kind of painting everything that we touch with that, um, with that kind of skew to it. Mm. Um, and so this book is kind of a journey in three stages to firstly undo the things that we've been told, whether they're societal, whether they're parental, whether they're anything that we go through. The general norms. Yeah, the general norms, um, whatever is norm to our reality. Mm -hmm. Take that off our backs, mm -hmm. um, kind of unveil who you are, figure out who you are, go through a little bit of discovery and, and growth because um, a lot of us actually aren't making conscious decisions about where we're going and who we are. We just are doing what we are told, what we are shown, what we think are milestones for success. What our expectations are. Whatever it is, yeah. Um, and so the second part is the growth and the discovery phase, and then the third part is actually getting the strength to, once you've figured out who you are, show that to the world. And then the tiny everyday moments that one can spend enjoying herself, himself, once they've figured out who they are. So first part is the baby girl, the childhood part, the healing part, and then the expressing part, the being present. And the living got, is the fun got, part. Yeah, yeah. Have you got the titles for each? So it's baby girl. Heal and then live. Live. Awesome. Yeah. Good titles. Just kind of keeping it short and sweet. Yeah, yeah. And then each, the journey is kind of a light way to delve into deeper topics mm -hmm. um, that's matched with um, little poet poetics um, about 
things that I needed to hear at certain points in time or things that addressed things that were unspoken about, um, things that were never confronted or explained to me. Mm. Um, and then I realised through that process, um, poetry and words is how I healed through these things because uh, growing up we didn't have the luxury of a therapist. Um, mm. We didn't have, we weren't able to afford any of that stuff. Um, so I don't know how I started. I think I was encouraged by my mum just to write and create. And that for me was a very healing um, way to self-express and to yeah. self-soothe and self-heal. Yeah. Um, and I've carried it throughout my life. Um, and then for some reason I decided to match it with photography. Yeah. Make it a black and white coffee table book because we are very um, a very visual focused society. We have a short attention span. So if you match beautiful words with beautiful photography yeah. and actually have some sort of depth and meaning behind it then often the photo will capture initially and then they'll yeah. read the words and that's what will stick yes. in yeah amazing that's cool well let's i guess since this is going to be based on the book and the book is essentially a reflection of your journey which you want to share with other people and help other mainly it's mainly women yeah yeah, understand and grow the way you did. Let's start with uh, number one, so baby girl. <laughs> um, so if, if you want, you can share, like we did the other day in the cafe, share your story. Mm -hmm. What got you to this point where you had so much on your back yeah. that you didn't know what to do with? Um, and then I guess we'll move into the next step. Okay. Cool. So um, I guess my journey was not unlike many other stories, and it's not necessarily bad it's not necessarily good I have you know great memories of my family and growing up there are just certain things that happened that um, weren't properly explained to me weren't properly unpacked um, and still to this day we haven't been able to speak about as a family mm. um, and there are things that like I said before not, aren't really uncommon but no one speaks about them and so I wanted to bring to light the effect that that might have on someone particularly women or younger girls baby girls um, and how we can heal from that and mm. a way to heal from that if we don't have you know the luxury of the therapy or if we don't have anyone we want to talk to or we just don't want to talk because mm. often that was the case for me I loved to be happy and to be um you know kind of the time that I was spending with other people I wanted to be there so I didn't want to have to weigh them down with my issues and my worries yeah. so the baby girl part um where do I start uh, I am half Chinese, Indonesian, half Italian. Um, I have a beautiful Italian family with my mother and three brothers, and we grew up in what was generally a happy household. Um, and my father, by birth, who I have done a lot of healing and self-soothing from, um, was very... He had a lot of narcissistic traits about him. He's a beautiful person and he just wasn't meant to be a father figure. Um, and the things that he um, kind of left with us and left with my mother um, was a lot of damage. It was kind of an emotionally abusive type relationship. Um, there was um, lack of loyalty and fidelity um, and he had very conditional love and his love for us was conditional upon us doing the things and the passions that he was interested in. Um, so that was, for example, martial arts in Chiku. Mm. He turned from being a real estate agent to then pursuing his passions um, against his responsibilities, I guess, of financially providing for his family. Yeah. Um, would pursue those things. And 
for me, what I would do would try to be the best that I could at those things, um, just to kind of win his love and affection and attention. Um, and I learned from a young age, I didn't really know how to describe it, but I learned from a young age that that love was conditional and it was fickle based upon somebody having better skill, somebody being more attractive, mm. another student in his class um, catching his attention. Mm. So then I would have to try harder, practice longer, um, and try to be and look and dress my best just to kind of you know keep keep that father's love those with those me. external things you were talking about before that you yeah. just get thrown on your back? Yeah, so I picked those up and I picked up that you know, we need to be well presented, we need to be beautiful, we need to be at the top of our game, we need to be athletic, we have to be physically fit, all those things I picked up um, in my subconscious, I guess, mm. and I just carried them throughout my whole life that I was always chasing to be better than everybody else. Everybody else was a threat. Mm. Um, and How did that affect your, your levels of insecurity? Um, I guess I've always so suffered with... Um, self-doubt, lack of self-worth. I'm not sure where I got that from, but I think it was, um, it started from there. Mm. Um, and then it's all these little things that you pick up, little comments, little um, incidences that happen to you. And with a, an immature imagination, you kind of put them in, mm. um, I guess you kind of, um, you, what's the word? I can't think of it. Um, Okay. Yeah, you relate those issues that happen to you to your self-worth instead mm -hmm. of actually um, breaking them from this happened because this person, you know, is going mm -hmm. through their own journey and not this happened because this is what I deserve and this is who I am. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head where you got it from. Yeah. Like it was your childhood. Like yeah. each, each and every time, like your mind as a child is so susceptible to external yeah. factors, right? Yeah. So each and every time that you felt that you weren't hitting your father's targets or you weren't good enough, like that's just another jab, yeah. right? Another jab, yeah. another jab. Yeah. So I think you, you already know <laughs> where it came from. Yeah, and then like a series of events from there, if you're not very self-aware, you kind of pile these all together. And I remember, uh, you know, during my teens, my emotional triggers were huge and wild because any time I'd have some sort of setback, some sort of rejection, some sort of negative feedback, every other incident that happened in my life that I felt that way would be unleashed. Mm. I tied them all together in this like disastrous ball of yeah. <laughs> emotion um, and I hadn't taken those things off my back. I was still weighed down with this huge amount of insecurity and lack of confidence. Mm, wow. Yeah. It's an interesting stage in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But So that got you to... I guess, are we finished with the baby girl stage? So we're not really. <laughs> no, we aren't. So, so what happened, like, okay, so we've got the initial um, jabs, your um, self-esteem mm -hmm. with your biological father. Yeah. And you mentioned before he had issues with loyalty issues. Yeah. With. So what was kind of the next stage? Um, so once my parents separated, my mm -hmm. father took his conditional love and finances and everything and um, put them on instant family. Mm -hmm. So he, we had a stepmother and a stepbrother and a stepsister who had all of, who was showered with his love. You know, mm. they got all the gifts that um, I as a child wanted, all of the, um, they were thrown parties that we didn't have. Sometimes we would have our birthdays forgotten by him and um, that was quite difficult. And then my mum, she was a very strong woman to have left that relationship, um, being a single mum with four children and then never receiving any child support. Um, she started dating again and she picked 
a beautiful man who is still my stepfather today, um, who loves and cares for us um, the best way that he knows how. Um, and he put my mother above everything, mm -hmm. put her on a pedestal, and the loyalty that he showed her was was beautiful, and the love that he showed her was is endless. Mm. Um, he he has um, his own demons, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and he was. From what I understand, he had a very um, physical upbringing himself, and he brought those ways of parenting into our home um, to the best that he could. He wasn't as bad as what he had, um, but he um, disciplined us in a way that was very similar with the ex-military background um, and um, a short temper. Um, there was a lot of aggression, a lot of um, in some cases, physical violence in our household as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what did, I guess, what I can make from this is you've gone from those early, uh, early years of your life being kind of slowly jabbed and brought down and brought down. Every time you think you're succeeding in your father's eyes, you weren't succeeding and then you went into this new kind of phase of your life where your father was even more belittling you by, you know, sharing his... Mm -hmm. And it wasn't case. explained to us, um, yeah. this divorce. I think it was um, as a means to protect us, but as young Which, adults, yeah. kids would be... Um, we pick up everything. We and so, so often I find... Um, I guess my situation was a little bit different, but I w actually I won't use my situation. I think in general, a lot of times when parents have breakups, they think, oh, well, we'll just hide it from the kids. Mm. Like, that'll be better we'll for them. them. Yeah, when in reality, like, mm -hmm. isn't it better to just be like, well, you know what? We had a beautiful relationship, yeah. but we're not right for each other. This is our decision. Yeah. We're going to be splitting up. Yeah. And then the kids can process it how they will, you know, yeah. and then they can ask questions yeah. rather than it just being swept under the rug. And then it makes you think it's your fault, right? Yeah. Like, it makes you feel like you are the one responsible for yeah. the issues and we're perpetually never enough yeah 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 that's a great way to put it <laughs> yeah yeah wow so i guess what so you've gone through these kind of two stages we won't uh, go too much into your stepfather um but i guess where did that leave you as a <laughs> as a baby girl coming into i guess adulthood yeah or, so throughout the book there are two parts that come through each um, section of the story and the first is note to self and version of self and in baby girl um, the version of self was unseen mm -hmm. um, and the note to self was um, look up i remember i was always afraid of looking people in the eye and kind of getting acknowledged i was just always looking down um, and i was quite happy but when people would ask me you know, questions of importance, I was just always looking down, didn't want to look people right. in the eye. Um, and so it kind of left me a bit, um, not quite sure, just needing it, love, Yeah. needing a lot of love, feeling unseen. Right. I think that was a phrase used in our house. Um, I'm not sure whether it was a joke or not, but that's something that um, I've took on and I've remembered it was, children should be seen and not heard. Mm. Yeah, and so, right. I think that's where the words started building in my mind of all these things that I have and I feel and I want to say, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So when it came time to, I guess, uh, enter the world yourself, 
as a young woman, you were kind of left with this idea that, you know, as a young woman, I should just do what I'm told and I shouldn't speak up. I shouldn't mm-hmm. own who I am. Yeah. Um, we have a place. Yeah. And that is the place if you want to be loved, if you want to be a respectable mm-hmm. wife. You know, these are the situations that led me to believe that's what I need to be. So Which is quite... It's still a really sad reality, I think, for a lot of women. Yeah. In a lot of places, is this yeah. idea of the patriarchy is still... Mm-hmm. And people like yourself are learning to break that. Yeah. So absolutely. I guess that brings us into the next section, which is, uh, you know, you're coming out of your baby girl stages. Mm-hmm. I love that title. Yeah. <laughs> great. Um, how did you figure out you needed to break it? Like, what was the kind of, like... I guess there's not really ever a wow moment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of little wow moments. Yeah, yeah. What, what, can um, you remember specific ones? So there's little wow moments. I've written a line about it, and it says, the universe... Um, the lessons we fail to learn, the universe will deliver tenfold. So they start off as little incidences and little incidences. And if you don't take the lesson out of it, and if you're not getting the learnings from it, you'll keep repeating the same patterns and they'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and louder mm-hmm. until you learn. And yeah. I'm not someone who used to learn from the subtleties, so I used to have have to have big incidences happen until I'm like, okay, Mika, what's going on here? Sort your stuff out, sort your head out. <laughs> this is your fault, yeah. <laughs> basically. Um, so I guess from that point, the healing part, I had um, a, I was a serial monog- monogamist. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever really single. I um, didn't feel like I was complete without another person. Mm-hmm. So I had a relationship, um, and I was quite hollow and insecure. So this was at what age? So just so you can get to the um, I went to about sixteen to eighteen, okay. or fifteen to eighteen, mm-hmm. um, with um, a boyfriend. Um, and he was one year older than I and I think ill-equipped to deal with my intense emotion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that ended and then I went three weeks in between that relationship and met my Mm ex-fiance and um, I think again another person another person who was ill-equipped to deal with my um, my emotions and I didn't really know who I was, so I was looking to somebody else to complete me. I wasn't in an equal and balanced relationship. It was, I wanted someone to make me feel better, to make me feel mm. more who I am. Do you, think that, do you think that draws directly back from your childhood? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A constant need mm. to be uh, validated by a male yeah. figure. seen, heard and acknowledged. Mm. And I wow. think that that's where you kind of... I said earlier, you paint people with things, and I was trying to paint people and get them to fill that mm-hmm. spot. It's kind of like painting them with my um, negative emotions or my negative experiences and trying mm. to get them to fix it instead of coming in as a whole person. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, there were beautiful times in all of these relationships. Of course. Um, but I think the failings that I got out of them and my part in them was um, put down to this. Yeah. And as you were saying this... Um, how was it, what was that line you put the universe ones? You said it really quick and I was like, oh, I want to ask you to say it again, but you're on the roll. <laughs> the lessons we fail to learn, the universe will deliver tenfold. Yeah. So I guess uh, while you're talking, I can hear you already. There's so many lessons have built up, but yeah. you haven't seen them yet. Yeah. So now we're in this uh, relationship with your fiance mm-hmm. and you're, let me see if I can do the math. You were 18 when you when got I, married? When I met... Okay, um, when, you met. when I met, 
I was engaged just oh, at 21. 21, wow. Yep. Um, and I was in that relationship for about five, five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had my fears, and my fears were tied back to my childhood, and they were fear of abandonment, really, mm-hmm. um, and never being enough, and also fear of being cheated on. Yep. Um, and often people either live out of their they live out of their fears or they live out of their dreams. They live out of hope, mm-hmm. inspiration or desperation. Mm-hmm. And I was living purely out of desperation. You're reacting rather than acting. Yes. Right. Um, and so my fears and my insecurities kind of, when you're acting out of it, when you're, energy, when you're energetically living in that space, you kind of manifest it and create it. Mm. And so I was pushing my partners away with my insecurities because they were there. They loved me. I just didn't, I couldn't feel it mm. because I couldn't love myself. Um, and so I pushed my ex-fiance away when he was going through um, a dark time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, ended up developing feelings for an ex mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't obviously supporting or being what he needed at the time. Um, and that was kind of our demise. Ended there because I found out and I thought, all right, it's not really forgivable for me. It's not how I wanted to be treated when I'm potentially planning a wedding. Um, and I think that I have some things that I want to work on. I don't really know who I am. I, don't, I felt ridiculously lost for the first time in such a long time. Um, I had all these things inside me that I wanted to do and um, chase, and I wasn't in a relationship that would allow me to do those things, move to other places, you know, explore mm. more of who I was. So I wanted my freedom back. Yeah, right. Um, and that's when I guess I started reading about, um, I'm not sure how I got onto the topic, but I was studying anthropology um, through an online university for a while and I got onto topics of... Just for people listening, because I remember asking this question when we first talked. Yeah. Can you explain anthropology? Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> anthropology is the study of people and humans, but not single cases, individuals, it's um, people as a whole, as communities. So like societies, communities, yeah. Yeah, and how, and how they interact with each other mm-hmm. based on their environment, their location, everything. Um, and I did gender studies and religion studies and I got onto um, extreme cases of women who were either in or had um, managed to get themselves out of extreme um, like Islamic relationships mm-hmm. um, and how they were able to feel free mentally and physically once they were once they got themselves in a situation that they were controlling mm-hmm. that they were able to kind of navigate and I thought these people have had in some cases harrowing upbringings harrowing mm-hmm. situations that they had no control over they had for example things like genital mutilation they were forced into child marriages um, and basically had no control over what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And then they were writing these beautiful stories saying how they found this life and they found this happiness in themselves and this confidence. And I'm thinking, if they can't do it, if they can do it, why can't I? Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Let's try. Um, what, did that, what did that kind of, what emotions did that stir in you and what kind of ideas did that start mm-hmm. bringing to your head when you saw these stories of people who were really in like yeah. holy fuck situations yeah. you know like what did what did this do for you because I've had a similar experience I know what it did for my head yeah but I want to know like kind of like what that moment was for you what, what did you it realize? do for your head I, I was just like 
wow, like my shit does not matter. Yeah. I need to take total responsibility for my life. Yeah. Because I am, I, I have no reason to complain. Yeah. Whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Zero. Yeah. Was it the same for you when you yeah. saw this, when you read this, you're like, how can I sit yeah. here and cry about my life yeah. when this is happening yeah. now? I think I got to a point where um, I'd stopped seeing a lot of the good that was around me. Mm. And then I was reading The Desert Flower um, by a woman in Africa um, who moved from there to, I think, America. And she had all this series of events to you know, escape from this point, to get to this point, to get to this mm -hmm. point. Um, and everything just kind of kept beating her down and beating her down. And she just kept going with this resilience. I was thinking, wow, um, my life's beautiful. I'm, I'm free to do and act and say as I please. Um, I still have a beautiful, loving family. Um, I still have all of my freedom. I still have, um, relative to this story, um, the ability to feel pleasure during sex, for example, because mm -hmm. I, I was not pushed into that situation when I was a child. Mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of inspired and I was also a bit ashamed of how I'd been feeling. I'd been identifying with things that had happened to me and victimizing instead of realizing, okay, this happened. Let's start to take that shit off my shoulders. Mm. Get that shit off my back. It's not who I am. How can I control the situation? Yeah. How yeah. can I take responsibility for the situation? This happened. It's not who I am. Mm. Um, yeah. And I guess that's when I started to change the way I was thinking. Mm. And I was in a beautiful relationship with an ex-boyfriend um, whose father actually started me on my personal development journey. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't actually realize this until we were talking in that cafe, um, the profound impact he had on my life. Um, but he started introducing me to, um, who was it? It was either John Martini or, or Tony Robbins. And um, Tony Robbins, definitely mm -hmm. Tony Robbins. Um, and a lot of his, his preachings and his principles and philosophies. And um, it's all about um, how we can take control of our life, how we can tap into our flow and how we can tap into um, our purpose by cultivating um, our realities. So creating and cultivating through thoughts, through design, through um, leveling up, whether that's with your skills, with your network, with whatever it is, mm -hmm. but taking control of it. And so then I started figuring out what are my passions. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea. I didn't know what I liked doing. I didn't know what I wanted. I was, you know, <laughs> had no talents. I just... <laughs> was that scary at first? Um, or was it kind of the opposite? Was it kind of like... Um, it was scary. Not that I didn't have any talents, um, because... Growing up, I made sure that I was good at a lot of things to kind of get the attention back of my father. Yes. And um, you are now still, from what you were telling me, it's like, holy <laughs> no, crap, you're like <laughs> Charlie's Angels, no. man. Straight up. Like freaking Lucy Liu. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I went on this fun discovering phase of figuring out who I was, mm. what I wanted to be. Um, and I'd taken on in my career Anything that somebody said I shouldn't do, I couldn't do. I mean, industry, someone said I couldn't work in. Mm -hmm. I was like, I will watch me. <laughs> Twice as much in half the time. Then I went from this point to kind of figuring out who I was, realizing that I, what an emotional trigger was and <laughs> what mine were and starting to unpack all that. 
stuff off my back and kind of becoming lighter and freer and moving more and more into myself mm. um, in what I was doing, who I was, and I think that from there I became a better person, a better friend, a better sister, a better daughter, a better worker, mm. everything. But it was it was hard, that, that work. Um, my process for doing it and how I'd started doing it before I realised it was my process was to saturate myself in feeling an emotion, mm -hmm. whatever that was, sit with it, kind of dive straight into it, mm -hmm. that darkness, that, you know, that, um, that emptiness, that anxious trigger I had, mm -hmm. dive into it, and I would do that through overloading my senses in whatever that feeling was. If it was anger, it's putting on angry music, you know, doing something aggressive, going for a ridiculously fast sprint. Yeah. Um, if it was sadness, um, I would put on sad music, I would put on candles, I'd sit in the dark, I would really overload every single one of my senses in that emotion. Mm. Why am I feeling this? Who is this because of? Is this situational? Is this historical? Mm. Figuring out what it is. Um, and then my method after that was getting in control of something, whether that was handstands or something um, physical or athletic. Driving. So directly after yep. saturating yourself in an emotion, you would yep. then do because something? Because sometimes when you're in that emotion, you catastrophize. I would catastrophize and I would think mm. of something and then relate this to all of the other emotions of not feeling good enough or you know lacking um, confidence or self-esteem or you know, that fear of everybody leaving me. Um, from that feeling, I would then like to be in control of something, whether that was, like I said, the physical emotion, driving a car or whatever. Obviously, I'll do all of this stuff sober. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. I love that you put just that in, in case. there. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, take it from there. Yeah. That, that was very empowering for me. I really liked. So that was essentially what you do is you go, all right, like, yeah, cool. It's normal. I get really sad sometimes. Or really angry or whatever intense emotion I would feel. Yeah. But instead of hiding from it, which I used to, uh -huh. kind of like push it down and push it down and just let it weigh me down and not face it, not deal with it. Take was, a bath in it. Yeah. Dive into it. Mm -hmm. Because so often everything in my family had been swept under a rug. Yeah. And this rug was just like this lumpy mold of like... <laughs> yeah, one of those... <laughs> this lumpy, rubbish yeah. tip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know the ones talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Grandparent rugs. Yeah. I think there's a Simpsons episode where they're just hiding everything under yeah, that rug. And they're right. kind of walking on it. It's moving. It's squishing. It's got its own yeah. ecosystem. <laughs> that was your rug. There's actually great metaphors in Simpsons. <laughs> Legit. It could be like a psychology program. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the really important thing you touched on there though was what you did directly after which was you did something that reminded yourself that okay I have these emotions but I am in control mm. of these yeah. emotions. Sure they might pop up but yeah. like I can still control myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I realized quickly the ability um, to relieve built up stresses and to control my thoughts through physical activity in particular mm -hmm. um, and handstands which is a trick that I learned when I did gymnastics for. Um, 10 years in my childhood yeah. um, but it's something that I moved back into um, in my later life because for me I don't do you meditate yes M meditation for me was um, not physical enough for mm. me to control my mind I'm also ADHD so yeah, <laughs> that, we talked about this over yeah that doesn't help things so I needed something a bit more physical to be able to go inward and control my thoughts and mm. my body and my mind mm. all in alignment and that um, was not stronger for me in any other way than when in a handstand, like physically the act of bringing your body into alignment upside down mm. um, also brought my thoughts and my calm, my energy into alignment. That's so cool. As well. Yeah. And then um, 
like the, the empowering part is like moving it, being able to make these beautiful shapes and mm. you know hold it in these like I yeah, call them beautiful shapes with music that sometimes it's gangster act telling me how badass I am or sometimes <laughs> it's like sometimes it is symphonic pianos or yeah. orchestras and you know classical music or you know lo-fi jazz whatever it was I yeah. was just able to control all of it and again going to the senses but in a, a complete antithesis of what I was just in whatever mm. it, it was I was just feeling um, and that was very calming and soothing where did you learn um, I'm fascinated by this method <laughs> Because I think there's similar teachings uh, in Buddhism. Yeah. Gautama Buddha taught a lot of this with embracing your emotions. Yeah. But I'm just interested to know where you, where you kind of got that from. Was that just something you decided to do? Um, I remember that my ex-boyfriend's father, the one who got me into personal development, he mm. once said that he got into his flow by running in nature. Mm. And sometimes he would be able to run and he would get completely lost in the senses. He would be able to remove himself almost from his body when he was stimulated by nature, by physical activity, um, and he would get into this flow state. Flow state. And I became fascinated by that and I thought, I've, I think I've felt this before. Mm. I think I've been there. I think I've done that, you know, whether it was with gymnastics or, you know, I did a lot. I did running, I did high jump, I did long jump, I did mm. <laughs> everything athletic that I could get my hands on and that was a way for me to control my ADHD as well. I didn't mm. realize because I was diagnosed later in life. Um, but I realized that firstly when I started doing it, when I went to the gym, I felt better. Mm. I felt calmer. Mm. Um, and then I, you know, I don't know if I started doing physical activity before or after we had, you know, ability to put in headphones. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> I don't know, this is showing my age. <laughs> um, but then I, um, got more and more into music and the healing properties of it, you know, the power of the words that you're listening to. And I was like, okay, what am I gonna to listen to? What do I want the words to be saying to me mm-hmm. um, while I'm working out? And then when I'm working out, how do I wanna control my body? How do I wanna feel? And I think from there and, you know, being triggered in everyday life, needing to go to the gym, I realized, oh, this is my therapy. This mm-hmm. is a way that I can you know, when you can't control what else is going on around you, you can control your output and your energy and how you feel. Mm. So I did that through physical activity. Yeah, so it's important to have that thing that you can control always. Mm. So what do you think What do you think stops a lot of young women from going to the gym or, like, diving into their own emotions? Yeah. Like, what is what are the roadblocks? Oh, there's a few things there. Because it's easy to, like, there's... Yours is one of many stories of people who have kind of discovered, rediscovered themselves mm. and been able to take control of their lives. But very rarely do people talk about like what's stopping people from doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know? um, I think for someone like me who carries intense emotion, mm. um, I didn't like the feeling of you know thinking about things. Mm. I was always thinking about things analytically and emotionally. Um, and I didn't like how things made me feel, so I tried not to. I tried to always be around people, always be around someone, always be with someone um, to make those feelings lighter or to not have to think about them. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's how they're living. Mm. They're kind of putting band-aids on their feelings and things that they think that they can't change or fix, things, things that they might have chosen to settle with. We talked about this idea of settling with, with mediocrity or... Mm. Mm. Um, living subconsciously through what you think you should be doing 
instead of actually consciously doing what you want to do, mm. making that your reality. Um, so it's maybe just... It's fear, right? Fear and being comfortable. I'm comfortable in all these situations. I'm comfortable putting on TV and not having to think about mm. these emotions or being around friends or getting drunk or just band-aiding, muting all those things with mm. um, things like that. Things that make you feel comfortable. Yeah. So what... How then do you fall in love? Like, how did you fall in love with being uncomfortable? Because that's essentially oh. what you're doing day to day, right? And yeah. That's something I'm trying to do more and more, like... Yeah. Is force myself to be uncomfortable. Like, for example, when I asked you about doing a podcast, that was really uncomfortable for me. I was really <laughs> shitting myself. Well done. I'm glad yeah, you did. Thank you. <laughs> um, shooting a wedding for Maddie's brother because Maddie's yeah. an important human being for me. I don't know. I saw the photo. Like you were fantastic. Yeah, thank you, you were divine. Captured <laughs> so much emotion. I haven't showed them yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, how do you how do you fall in love with uncomfortability? Um, so for me, I've always been in situations where I have been uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, I've grown up with a bit of a dis or advantage over everybody else mm -hmm. because I've always been in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Um, and I've grown up um, always with, for example, a yearning for something that I never had you know, a father's love. Mm. So I was always uncomfortable and I was never able to have that soothed or comforted mm -hmm. because I never got it. So, uh, or I got it fleetingly. Mm. Um, so being able to live with that, I think gave me a resilience to start, mm -hmm. to be put in uncomfortable situations. And then my need to succeed in areas where people would say I couldn't also helped me to get there. But then more, and then I moved to Melbourne and moving to another city, I think no matter how your personality is when you're at home in your comforts with your safe people, with your people, mm. um, you have to push yourself to be more extroverted when you move to another city. You yeah. just have to, otherwise yeah. you end up really lonely without any friends. You have to put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable to make friends and to um, build connections and to do things um, that you wouldn't normally do just to succeed and thrive, and I wanted yeah. to thrive. I always saw my life as being someone that thrived in everything that I did, so I didn't do things half-heartedly. Mm -hmm. um, when I moved here, I got a tattoo aligned with who I was, which is, and my love of words, passionately. Mm -hmm. Anything that I was going to do, um, I decided I'm not going to do it for other people, I'm going to do it for me, and then that's going to benefit other people, mm -hmm. the flow and effect from that. Yeah. Um, and when I got that, I thought, okay, what life do I want? What do I want to do? How do I want to impact? I'm going to chase that passionately mm. and I got more and more into podcasts you talked about Gary V someone we share um, uh, a liking for and we listen to a lot of his stuff Louis Howe mm. they kind of teach you that you've got to be uncomfortable you've got to you know you, you get growth in uncomfortable situations yeah you don't when you're in comfortable situations but yeah. finding the balance of both is key mm. because otherwise if you're always uncomfortable that's not really a fun and enjoyable life I started with writing um, daily habits mm. um, and my daily habits um, uh, that's the article that I sent you yep. I was like okay how do I want to feel who do I want to be and what do I want people to leave me feeling um, so I wrote down my daily habits and it's funny that you say you know having that interaction with someone it was I just want to walk past everybody and greet people mm. with a smile 
yeah. as a start. This, sorry to interrupt you, this mm. must have been incredibly hard for you initially because I remember you saying you couldn't look at, at people in the eye. Yeah, yeah. So well done for that. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you have a great memory. Yeah. So yeah, that was part of it. I wanted to look up. Um, and so part of my promises to myself, my daily habits, was look people in the eye, smile, greet every living creature. So it's an animal, it's a human, a barista, whoever it is, whoever you see in your day, give them a smile. Yeah. And that was difficult for me because I had to learn to smile at people. And then it's also um, really positive for other people um, because same like me, often people are, or I was, so negative in my own thoughts. You know, you're thinking, I wasn't good enough, I should have done this better, I should have done that, I've got to do this. And, you know, you're so negative in your own thoughts that you walk past people on your phone or, um, mm. like you said, you wake up checking things and you're instantly in reactive phase. Mm. If you interrupt people's thought patterns just with a smile, just with a hello, like, how great is that? It's unbelievably It's a bit powerful. of human connection. I remember reading an article, I don't know if this was real or not, um, but it was about a person who was wanting to commit suicide and he decided to give the world another chance. Mm -hmm. uh, he gave himself one week or one day and all he wanted was to be acknowledged, to feel like he was seen, feel like he wasn't just a ghost, you know, moving through life unseen, unheard. Um, and he was going up to all these places and he just was dying and crying out for people to look at him and acknowledge him mm -hmm. just for that tiny bit of human connection. Um, and he never got it. And the story ended that um, in his letter was, you know, Thank you. I've, tr I've tried everything I could. Um, I'm, I, I either do not exist or uh, I'm not worthy of existing in this world because I was not acknowledged. I just mm. wanted one little bit of human connection. I just wanted to look in the eye um, and I didn't get it. And he committed suicide. And I read this and I was like, holy shit. What if I'm walking past someone and that's what they're thinking and you know, I'm stuck in my phone? And, um, so I made this habit, um, well, this promise to myself that turned into a habit to just look people in the eye. Mm. You know? I love it. You meet the coolest people just by smiling. You smile. They're like, hey, like, hi, how's it going? What are you up to? Yeah. You just get in the coolest like, situations, discussions. So there was a whole number of daily habits in there. But first it was I never wanted to um, let relationships change my sense of self or affect my inner peace that I work so hard on. Um, I wanted to make other people see the worthy aspects in one another. I don't want people to, I don't want to be that person that people can come and bitch to and gossip to and like, you know, let me comfort them in their negativity on their kind of like tearing other people down. I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be an advocate for everybody and get other people to like empathize with the other people and get them to see a holistic point of view. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people around you are some of the most negative and they want to feel comforted and comfortable in their negative beliefs. They want sympathy. Yeah. Um, and just got to a point where I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm. I would be very diplomatic in my responses to things, but yeah, that was another promise. I wanted to um, get everybody to see the worthy aspects in one another. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to think of, work for, and expect only the best. And so that was to lift my standards in everything, lift my thoughts in everything. So instead of catastrophizing and um, living out of desperation, I wanted to live out of inspiration. I had these daily habits written on a note pad, I mean like a post-it note on my bathroom, I had it as my back, the phone, the background on my phone, I had it everywhere. Yeah. So anytime I would find myself drifting off into these thoughts that I didn't want to think, or things that were unproductive, or catastrophizing again, I'd just go back to these things. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what is going to happen, mm -hmm. that's a worry that's unnecessary, that's not how I want to be, that's not how I want to feel, this is it. And then the last one was, 
um, I promise myself um, to believe that the whole world is on my side so long as I believe it. Mm. I didn't want to be me against the world. I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to think that the whole world had my back. Um, I think that the end of that is the most important part, so long as I believe in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard for the world to be on your side if you're not on your side. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's why I struggled to feel love because I didn't love myself. Mm. So something that I practice and preach all the time, one of my hashtags, um, is self-love then spread love. Yeah. You cannot give love, or you cannot receive love if you don't give it. Mm. And you have to give it to yourself first. Yeah. So fill up your cup. Once your cup's full, then you can love others without judgment, mm. without insecurity, without fear of not having enough. Yeah. Once you've filled yourself up, you can you're overflowing. You just flow that shit everywhere. Here's flow love. that shit. Take my love. Yeah. Take it. Did I we got actually, money. When we were in the cafe, did we talk about? I talked about Anton, I think, and his his kind of idea of the bottom line, and it's similar to what he, or the ozone layer he called it, where like he always made sure he had that reservoir like he didn't go below the ozone ah, that yeah, was his like his level of happiness yeah, right and, yeah. and love essentially yeah. um, and I think it's really important what you touched on there like and I remember when I was first like you know dropping myself into this like yeah I'm getting better like I'm <laughs> like self improving and I was just like here like take everything hey yeah. you random guy like take my take love this, and, take take and then I was like sitting at home I was like man sad like sad and empty but all my love goes yeah. <laughs> you know so it's like really you like too much away. yeah exactly it's important to keep it's important to keep your own right and that's where mm. like I remember having conversations with uh, a few really really negative people which mm. is one of the things you put on mm-hmm. your um, what do you call them again the fire the no no the daily daily what's daily promises daily promises that's it mm. and you was promised something yeah daily promises um, is to not engage in those conversations yeah. so yeah you've created your promises and yeah. um i guess that kind of like continued to grow you and develop you yeah into the person you are now yeah so just as um the negative thoughts and patterns and beliefs can become who you are mm-hmm. the positive ones can as well and so making something i started off as daily promises they became habits mm-hmm. and they became habits to self-love habits to positivity and habits to empowering myself to be whoever I wanted to be, whoever mm. I was born to be, whoever was always inside me but I lacked confidence to show. Mm. Um, so going back to being comfortable, those promises and those uncomfortable situations or things I didn't want to do, they just became habits and then they became who I was. So I was like, wow, there's so much power in setting up your, your habits, your daily habits, and so much power in figuring out who do I want to be? Mm. I can be that. Mm. No one's stopping me. What do um, I want to do? And those promises were the catalyst for you. I think you've hit the nail on the head as well when it comes to uncomfortability is by doing that and like, you know, creating that just constant in your face like promises is those uncomfortabilities almost became like something you look forward to each day. Like, oh cool, I get to like be uncomfortable in this way. And it's the power of um, taking control of your mind and your thoughts. Because mine was out of control for so long. I was just kind of a fish in the current going with all of my thoughts. Any negative thing that I have, I'd run, i just like flow downstream with it. But there's also the power in taking control of it and, mm. and thinking about, okay, I don't, want, I don't want to feel that, I don't want to think that, I don't want to talk about that, I don't want to do anything that I don't have to do. Yeah. I, I don't have to. Um, and so I guess this like brings you into the last stage of the book, which is live. Yes, this is my favorite part. Yeah. I think this is what we spoke about because you've been on your journey mm. as well, which is 
incredible. It's very inspiring to hear you. where you've come from as well. Um, this is the fun part. Once yeah. you do a lot of the work, you realize that you never stop learning mm -hmm. and you realize how far you have to go. But also, you get to this point, okay, who am I? What do I want to be? Mm -hmm. I've always had it inside me. I've always seen the world the way that I see it and I need to express. I have this dying need every day. I wake up, I need to self-express, artistically speaking, creatively. Yeah. Um, so the way I've realized that I see the world with that emotion, that intense emotion is I see things, everything has emotion to me, whether it's a sunset, whether it's a music, whether it's something beautiful, um, everything carries emotion for me and I see things and I see a beautiful sunset, it will take my breath away, it will overload my senses and I see all the words that will describe it. And I walk past a tree and people are in this conversation and I just stop there looking at this tree and this shadow and I'm like, holy crap, this is so beautiful, have you guys seen that? They're like, what? No, I've never seen that before in my life. I was like, look up, look at that. Mm. Look at the way the sky looks between the leaves. Mm. It's the most stunning thing I've ever seen. And walk along and people are like, wow. I eventually realized, you know, I actually realized the way that I saw the world was a bit different. Were you able to see the world like this before? I can imagine. Yeah, I can. I, my mum has always fostered in us a huge imagination and a huge um, love of creativity. Mm. She is probably the most talented woman I've ever met. She, she's a registered builder, she plays piano, she used to do paper, um, what is it called? Paper, paper mache. Yeah. Yep. Um, she sings, she was making our own, because we grew up um, quite poor, because she mm. supported us all. Um, she would make our own cakes and they would be the most elaborate, most stunning cakes, better than the cakes that my friends would get. She mm. would um, sew our clothes, she would braid our hair, she was always creating, taking photos, you know. Um, and so I always had this and then, you know, going along through life and my life experience, I'd carried things and put things on my back that had just weighed me down. And I forgot that part of me mm. for a long time. Um, and so I think by healing um, and by design, I was taking those things off my back and freeing myself up to see the way that I'd always seen. Yeah, um, but as I a was, child, hey, yeah. Yeah, world, yeah. Um, But now as an adult, I'm able to express and, and capture the, the way that I'd seen things, whether mm. that's through photography, poetry, or, or whatever it was. Um, I kind of just moved back into myself mm. and that gets me to um, the part of the book, the live part, the being present part. Um, once you've taken all these things off your shoulders, who are you? What do you want to do? Mm. You don't need to do everything straight away or you know, get um, weighed down by I need to be achieving and doing something. It's like figure out who you are and then yeah. be present. Like We are told so often we, how, who we have to be, what we have to say, how we have to look, we forget that we, as we are right now, whether it's you or me, we are beautiful, yeah. we are perfect. We are exactly how we need to be to, to experience this exact moment in time. Mm. Whatever this is, stop being in your head about, I need to change this, I mean, I'm too fat, I've got to do this, or I should have done this. It's what's around me right now, how can I enjoy this day? If mm. I die tomorrow, what little bit of beauty can I get in this day? What little bit of... Um, the senses can I get today? Mm. Similar to the philosophies of Alan Watts. Have you heard him? The philosopher? I've heard the name. Yeah. Um, I think you would really like his stuff. Okay. So he talks about people getting caught up in this um, destination, mm. addiction. Mm. Addiction to getting to a point that they sprint and they run through their whole entire life and then they realize, I didn't actually make any decisions. I didn't get any satisfaction. I got to one little milestone and then I needed to get to the next, to the next, to the next, and you get to this point where you're 65 and you're like, wow, 
I haven't made any of my choices. Where did it all go? Yeah, I haven't lived, I haven't felt anything. And so he thinks that we've related life um, as an analogy to the wrong thing. We relate it to, you know, an ultimate journey, uh, a pilgrimage to contentment or a goal mm. or success, whatever that it looks like to you. We forget that life should be more of an analogy to music, mm. to, to dance, to poetry. The purpose of those things is not to get to the end. You don't go to a concert, sprint to the finish. Mm. You go to a concert to listen to all of the, the beautiful melody mm. that gets to that point. You go to dance, not to get to the, a spot in the room, but to, to flow and to feel that whole experience, that whole sensory overloading experience, and then it finishes eventually. But you've enjoyed the whole process to yeah. get there. And that's what life's about. Um, once you figure out who you are, what you want to do, and you've healed from everything you've gone through, mm. like there's beauty in each and every single day. That is and, a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really. And life... Not one day in your life should go without hearing one piece of beautiful music, reading one piece of beautiful poetry. You know, um, I don't have many obsessions in life, but one thing for me is crystal glassware. I don't know why. Is this crystal glass? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was really scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And people hide it away. It's like the the, the good sheets. They hide all that stuff away. I'm like, why do you use it every day? Yeah. For some reason, I've like just got this little thing. I have my green smoothies out of crystal, a crystal wine glass. I have That's my cool. espresso shots um, out of a Rydell glass. But I, that, if that's the best thing that happens to me, that was beautiful. Mm. I had this tiny little bit of like elegance and exuberance in my day. That was just this tiny little bit of, here's my disgusting green sludge smoothie that I take <laughs> for my health. But it's in something beautiful. Yeah. There's, there's poetry in this. Um, yeah. Or whatever it is, I had a shitty day. I had like the worst connections with everybody around me. Somebody was being really negative, or I feel really low on myself, or I feel a little bit lost today. But that sunset, my mm. God, that sunset took my breath away. That yeah. was so beautiful and so humbling. How good is that? Mm. Or, you know, sometimes if you think about other situations, you know, kind of go back into your past self and fear a little bit. What little bit of beauty can I, mm. can I get out of that? And I suppose bringing it back to the idea of life being a symphony, is that whenever you listen to, if you go to an opera, there is like grand moments of low yeah. where you feel pain. Like, I don't know if you've been to operas and you've been like, oh, wow, yeah. I feel sore. Right yeah. like, I'm, I'm crying. Ouch. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and that's like, like you said, like if you have lots of terrible interactions throughout the day, but then just like a symphony, like, you know, treat yourself to one of those high moments. Have yeah. your screen sludge out of a crystal glass yeah. or whatever. Yeah, whatever do you, you have any of those? Uh, I mean, I think I do. I've just never heard of that way, which I'm, that's why I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. There's always, like, there's certain things I always do in my day to make sure that I balance out my symphony, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, it beautiful. is. Um, one of which is leaving a voice message in Portuguese to my beautiful oh. girlfriend. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, and... Uh, I love that style. I love love. Another one is the gym. Just like you, like exercise for me is very important. Yeah. And that's like my high moments. Mm. But yeah, I also like I've learned to really embrace the low moments and the shitty moments too. And just well, it's part it's of like the journey. Like it's imagine because if it's all high, you don't appreciate it. Exactly, it just becomes a content line of boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's yeah. such a cool way to look at it. There's another analogy which I'm trying to live by now. It's just being water. Living like water. 
Okay. I think Bruce Lee is the first one that I know. First quote that I've said about it. Yeah, it's be like water. Um, flow through everything. So mm -hmm. instead of how I used to do things, which was take things and put them on my back, it's, you know, another thing happens to me, I put it on my back and it becomes me. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to flow through things. So if something bad happens or a negative, um, somebody treats me like crap, someone talks shit about me or mm -hmm. um, I'm triggered into feeling insecure or like I'm not... Um, I'm not valuable or anything like that. I just feel it, acknowledge it. Mm. Don't brush it under that moldy, mm. garbage-filled rug. <laughs> <laughs> feel it. I'm yeah. like, cool, this is happening. It's fine. Just flow through it. Don't mm. make those situations become you. Don't define yourselves by them and don't put it on your back. Don't carry it. That's not your shit to mm. carry. You feel it and flow, flow through it and just keep on going. That's beautiful. Just yeah. keep swimming. Yeah. <laughs> Dory. Yeah. Philosopher. But yeah, be like water. Fantastic. <laughs> I think we might be like kind of at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I do have one more question though. Yeah. And take some time to think about it because you know you get one. So. Ooh. <laughs> take some water. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fully. Rehydrate. <laughs> Rehydrate. Woo. <laughs> um, so the question is because this book is titled She and it is directed predominantly at uh, women who are listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. I want you to think of one thing, one concept, and it can be as many words as you want. It can be short, it can be long. Oh, one that somebody loves words. <laughs> one hour later. <laughs> one concept that you want to impart on someone who is in, they've come out of the baby girl stage and they're incredibly insecure of who they are. Mm -hmm. They have their head down, they don't want to look up. They are scared to express anything than what society tells them is the norms of a woman. Mm -hmm. Yourself, when you came out of that baby stage, mm -hmm. what is the one concept or the one word or the one sentence you would give that person listening to this podcast right now? Um, ooh, this is hard. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> Have another drink of water if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, have to be my words? No, of course not. Um, so one of my favourite poets who is the one who um, designed the, what is it called, um, Are You Okay um, movement in uh, America. Okay. She started up a booth um, with universities there and everybody was like, okay, you have to decide what you want to do and who you want to be right now and you have to pick this course that's going to take three, four, five years and a huge significant amount of money from you and you have to decide right now and there was all this pressure and she was realizing how, um, how polarizing it was to have to make something like this and if you didn't know, you know, something wrong with you, kind of a leper and she saw a lot of her people, her friends suffer from depression and like this lack of like... Um, knowing who they are mm. um, and this kind of fear of being lost um, at this point and she decided to set up her own booth not to join this university or do this or be this type of person or whatever it's just hey are you okay mm. are you okay and she wrote she writes some beautiful poetry she's got a book out called Heart Talk which I really love um, and there are two parts two bits so I can, can I say two things sure yes <laughs> why not um, so the first one is um you want light, be light. You want love, give love. Mm. If you want those things, you cannot, you cannot um, achieve those things if you do not give them. Mm. So to receive them, 
give them and firstly give them to yourself. So if you want certain things in your life, you want to attract those things, be those things. Mm. If you want to receive those things, also give those things. Mm. Um, so that's the first one. And the second one is um, be the type of love that you deserve, if for no other reason than to show the world how it's done. Say that one again. Be the type of love that you deserve, if for no other reason than to show the world how it's done. Yeah, well. So the way that I wanted to be loved, if I wasn't giving that to myself and to other people, um, oh, I, the, the love that I wanted to receive, um, be that type of love. Yeah. The way that I wanted to receive love and the way that I wanted people to interact with me and give to me, be it and give it. Because I was mm. expecting to be filled and receive a type of love that I wasn't giving mm. because I was, you know, all these negative thoughts. So if you want something, if you want to receive love, if you want to um, feel better, start giving that. If you want to feel better and receive compliments, start giving them. Start being mm. more open, start being more positive. If you want positivity to come back, you can't expect to attract things that you're not giving. If you're negative and you're like, why is this person so negative back? Honey, look at yourself, you're attracting that shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you want to be positive, be positive. Start being positive, start being happy, start being, you know, it's, it's not faking it, it's just putting things into perspective and mm. attracting what you are. You know, if you are, um, the things that you want in life, you, you can't expect to receive things if you're not giving them. Mm. The more you give, the more you receive. Literally, yeah. so many people say that. Um, those are my two things. That was amazing. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent again. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> Wouldn't that's be me if I did it. That's who you are. <laughs> it's funny that, uh, you know, like giving thing, like if you don't give, you don't receive. Mm. And it brings me back to what you were saying about the guy who wrote the suicide note and gave yeah. himself a day. This is my thought, but maybe if maybe that whole day he walked around with his head down. Yeah, yep. And maybe if he had looked up, mm. or if you're a she, if, Ooh, I like if she it. had looked up, yep. then she would have received what she was giving. She looked up and smiled. Yeah. And maybe that whole thing would have been avoided. Oh, that is. Yeah, yeah, really good. So thank you so much for that message. <laughs> and truly from my heart to yours, I love you as a human being. Oh, I think you're you. amazing. Thank you. And I really am looking forward to the future conversations we have and future podcasts. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, no problem. Thank you for joining us.